everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. All right, guys, I am going to absolutely ruin your Christmas ideas. If you have, if you have wise men or kings in your nativity set or in the little thing that you put out in your yard, uh, you need to get rid of them because they're a lie. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Sounds like Scrooge McDuck. Uh, it does kind of, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot of what we believe in pop culture Christianity, pop culture Christmas, is not quite correct. And so if you have your wise men out there just to recognize that they are included in the story somehow, I guess you could do that. Really, what you should do is put baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph outside in their stone hut, not wooden stable, uh, for Christmas of 2023. And then you can put the wise men out in Christmas of 2025. (laughs) And then you need, like, toddler Jesus. (laughs) So there are... There are some things that we've gotten wrong with the story, and the Christmas plays have not helped. Uh, Today, we are looking at Matthew 2, as well as Luke 2, verses 39 to 52. I can't get over toddler Jesus. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, um... Did you want to say anything else about the the last one? (laughs) Okay, just stick around for the reading. Read it for yourself. That's the rule every day, but I always feel bad when I don't say it. Um, The wise men weren't there. They weren't at the manger. The manger was not a wooden stable. It was like this stone harbory thing. You can still go see. There's so many candles burning in it. It's like smoky and dirty and gross, but it is the place. It's like underground. Yeah, it's kind of underground. Actually, Um, look it up on Google. It's pretty crazy. It doesn't. I walked up to it when we went way back in like, whatever, 2014. And I was like, what? This is the thing? That is (laughs) most likely, like, with a pretty high degree of certainty, the spot. Um, Anyway, the the wise men are significant, but they weren't there for two more years. And they go to Herod first and ask for the king. Um, And this is a great example to us that many people were looking forward to the birth of the Christ. Many people were looking forward to the Messiah and expecting him to come. When I read over this chapter today, uh, I was just kind of like reoriented myself because I feel like I've been, I don't know, like believing myself that nobody knew or nobody cared, but actually a lot of people knew and a lot of people were looking forward to this coming King. And so these wise men go to see him. Uh, Herod is this like terrible power hungry leader. Uh, So he is also very interested in this coming King because he would like to kill him. And so toddler Jesus escapes to Egypt pretty much right after the wise men bring him gifts. So another thing you can do with your nativity set is put put baby Jesus out, put the wise men out two years later, then put it all in a box and mail it to Egypt for another two to three years. Because Jesus lived in Egypt for probably anywhere between two to four years. I just think that's interesting. Um, what you were talking about with Herod. Yeah. Because I think that's telling. Because it, it is... I thought that's crossed my mind before, too. Like, oh, people didn't even know. Like, the people that knew knew about it were the shepherds because they were the ones that the angels spoke Mm -hmm. to. But it must have been a pretty big deal if Herod, the king, was, like, super, like, on the edge of his seat. Like, we need to figure this out. Like, he was scared. He was nervous that somebody was going to come along and take his place. So, Like, that is a very telling point that, like, Jesus was definitely... The one they were looking there for. There were faithful people anticipating the coming Messiah, and they expected him to come. Uh, think about Simeon and Anna. Yeah. Uh, think about the wise men. Think about Herod himself. And some people had, like, holy 
well-devoted intentions, and some people had very wicked, evil intentions. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Herod is nervous about this, surely the priests are nervous about this. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that goes into the fact that they were trying to consolidate their power so much, and they hated Jesus so much. So the end of Matthew 2 uh, ends with uh, Joseph coming back because Herod has died. We know that Herod died around 4 BC, and then when Joseph returns, they settle in Nazareth. So that should be something that is like, huh, how did he start in Bethlehem and end in Nazareth? Uh, They were kind of like avoiding persecution still. I think something that just crossed my mind was we were talking about Herod and his insecurities. How insecure were the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these other men? Because oftentimes I think like, why did they hate him so much? Like, obviously... Like, he came to die for our sins. Like, that was going to happen regardless. But, like, it always kind of baffled me. Like, what is with these guys? Like, they got, like, a stick up their butt or something. But, listen, I wonder how much that parallels to today. Like, they had a spot. They didn't want anyone touching that spot because Jesus came to, like, completely destroy their line of work, basically. And, like, how much of them was just like, nope, if this guy comes close, he's going to knock us off our pedestal we won't be like the best guys to go and do the best jobs and we won't be like revered super highly as these wonderful awesome men anymore because this guy's going to come along and apparently like destroy the temple and be the all all powerful king it does seem like most of the ones that were wildly successful were very skeptical of Jesus because of that so Herod yeah. is willing to kill off all the 2 year olds because of that um, yeah, but even down to the Pharisees and stuff, like I think that is very interesting. Yes. Or even like the high the priest, priests, whatever. The like, scribes. Hmm, yes, there's something to be. I've never really considered that, but I was like, huh, that actually makes a lot. I of sense. I wonder if in the course of their studies, they were like, wait a minute, this is gonna mess up what we got Shoot. going, and like we're doing pretty well because of it. And there was definitely corruption then in the church, as I'm sure there is even today. So Matthew is, like I said, he's a Jewish author to a Jewish people. You'll notice how many times he says, so that what was written would be fulfilled. Just go back and read chapter two of Matthew and you'll see, like he's quoting the prophets. He's making this scriptural biblical case for Jesus as Messiah. Um, and he's, he's using the Bible to do it. So Matthew two, great read. Go back and read it. It will ruin some of your perspective on the Christmas story. I'm sorry. So it's interesting when we flip to Luke, it kind of just like, it chops that story right off. Like, clear cut, we're done. Uh, and then it talks about them returning to Nazareth and immediately goes into the story of Jesus when he was a young boy, when his parents were going to Jerusalem in order to, um, it says, what does it say in here? Uh, celebrate the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. Um, so they, they go to this feast. It's like this grand thing. They go with all of their relatives and people they know. And it's funny to me because I can totally relate in this story. Mary and Joseph are on their way. They just assume that Jesus is just with someone else and realize like a day later, like, oh, shoot, <laughs> he's not he's here. Not. It's like home alone. <laughs> Maybe that's where this is derived from. Anyway, um, it's crazy to me that once they go back, he's actually, he's not being like, naughty he's not being rebellious he's literally just sitting in the temple learning about god he's actually sitting in the temple teaching teaching about god God too because they're marveling at what he says here's what's incredible about that the trinity is father son and holy spirit three in one Mm -hmm. so god the father jesus the son the holy spirit 
the Holy Spirit inspired the words of the Bible. So how is Jesus able to teach the Bible in an incredible way? I'm sure he was a student of the Bible, but also he like sort of was involved in writing the Bible. The Holy Spirit wrote it and inspired the men to write it like by their hand. Um, but because the Spirit of God is in him and working through him, he obviously has incredible power to be able to teach the word. And people are like, whoa, who is this kid? So they're definitely amazed by this child. And I know we've had our fun moments of like, oh, everybody's just like really impressed with how this one did with that. <laughs> like Jesus just kind of like, Blows all the children of the entire history of this planet out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's getting a lot of people's attention. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure that he's speaking with incredible authority that they're not used to hearing. Uh, and it was common practice. Like when, like we'll see later on, Jesus calls his disciples. It was common practice for rabbis to be looking for people to call to follow themselves. Mm -hmm. And so this would have gotten people's attention in a pretty significant way. <laughs> but I guess also like Mary and Joseph are not like, wow, he is so cute. Well, she does say to him, like, why have you treated us like this? Like, what the heck are you doing? Um, and he just <laughs> very gracefully responds with, didn't you know I had to be here? Is that gracefully? <laughs> didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? If I was Joseph, I'd be like, I'm your father, boy. And my business is back in Nazareth. Let's go. I don't go. know. He's not really, though. So he probably is like, <laughs> I don't want to say anything to this kid because I don't know what the heck he's going to do. Uh, I love Luke 2.52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. It's so significant. Uh, it tells us that Jesus was, in fact, a real person, mm -hmm. uh, fully God, fully man. We actually see that in Luke chapter 2. Like, he's fully God. He's able to teach and preach with an authority that nobody's ever seen before, especially coming out of a 12-year-old kid. Uh, but also, he actually needs to grow up. Like when it says stature, like it, it's height, like he needs to get taller. Well, our study Bible says, uh, referring to that verse, his true humanity is seen in his learning as other human beings learn. So like it, it is making it super relatable to us, but also that is completely God in human form. It's 100%, really cool. A hundred percent. So I think we could derive a your part from that. It, it actually is really important to Christianity that you believe that Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. And we see that many, many places. But we also see that here in Luke 2.52, that he actually had to grow up. He had to grow in wisdom and in stature. Uh, and he grew in favor with God and man. Like God's uh, spirit was on him. Uh, he was being moved about the Lord's business. He's He literally exists to save us from our sins. But at the same time, he's actually gaining respect and um, like attention from people, which is a thing that regular people do. And so we believe that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for our sins uh, because it was God himself giving his life uh, to cover the penalty of our sins. So that's, that's a significant part of what we believe. Uh, if Jesus is not fully God and fully man, he cannot pay for our sins. Mm -hmm. And Luke 2.52 is just one way you can use to defend that part of our faith. There's many others, and we'll get into them, uh, but this is one of them. So I enjoy these stories. Like I said yesterday, I love that we're not reading them during the Christmas season because uh, I think it mm -hmm. can actually help us like clear our minds a little bit of yeah. all the Christmas hubbub and actually look at the details of the story. So I'm glad you're on this journey with us. I'm looking forward to continuing through it. We'll see you again tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening to our take today. Before we get into the reading, if we could just ask you one thing, 
Uh, if you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review, we'd love to hear from you. And every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word and your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today. Matthew chapter two. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem, and in all the region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Achilleus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Luke chapter 2 verses 39 to 52. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. 
After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.